Welcome in, Bears fans, to this installment of Bear Bones. I am Mason West, and look who is back, Danny, me, and Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You know, I've, other than, uh, to quote Pink Floyd, the Bears making me comfortably numb in this season very early on, I'm good. You know, life is good. Baby's on the way. Wife is very pregnant. All that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. <laughs> and it's weird. We have almost nothing to talk about this episode. There's nothing going on in the so Bears we'll, universe. This is going to be our Seinfeld episode. It's the episode about nothing. Exactly. And, <laughs> and what we started for this year, uh, we started doing this chart review, which this was kind of our time to talk about last game and get some stuff off our chest a little bit shorter. But we're going to flip it. It's only week three, and we're already changing what this is going to look like. Um, we're we're going to talk about more of the news that's been going on from this week. So just to kind of rattle off the general topics, then we'll dive in. Uh, Justin calls out coaches and gameplay, but kind of doesn't. Uh, Braxton goes on IR. Bears don't really have a left tackle. Alan Williams, uh, you know, resigns as Bears defensive coordinator. Justin calls out the media and retracts some comments in theory. Bears put out a statement about Alan Williams. Alan's lawyer puts out a statement. Tyson Badgett is moved up to quarterback two. Nathan Peterman's cut. Nathan Peterman's re-signed. And, I mean, it's just – that's pretty much it, right? There's nothing to talk about. No, nothing at all. Just, just a plethora of news bullets. But let's start near the top. Uh, we're just going to say this right now. We're not going to dive heavy into the Alan, Alan Williams stuff, you know, Things like this take a lot of time. It needs to do process. That's not our place to talk about this in that capacity right now in terms of specifics. What we will talk about is in terms of what that means for the football, right? What does that mean for the Bears on the field? Because that's what this show is really about. So, um, you know, the, the guy, the defensive players have heard that, you know, have been gone on record now saying they're excited with Eberflus calling plays, but at the same time, it's not all that different. Danny, what do you think that means for the Bears for the rest of the season if things stay status quo? I mean, I think it should just be an overall improvement if it looks anything like it did. I mean, they only surrendered 20 points. I get they surrendered something like 400, and I forget the exact total, 450 yards, something like that, but they only allowed 20 points. And it's like, I feel like I'm a broken record since I've been on the Whitney city, you know, pod channel, just you have to score more than 20 points to win football games anymore. The defensive performance wasn't anything more than fine. They bend, but they didn't break. They hell seven of the points came off of a pick six at the end of the game. You have to score points. And that's really what you're absolutely right. If your defense only lost 20 points, it, the defense still wasn't fantastic. I mean, no. how many times did they touch Baker Mayfield and not bring him down? I mean, he's not the freaking Hulk. Like, I don't understand that. <laughs> um, they still cover two is still a suspect defense, in my opinion, just because of how uh, lackadaisical it seems. You know, obviously the turnovers aren't there. We, we can go on and on about that. But that should still be enough when you allow uh, 20 points. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely a, an improvement from week one. Is that an Eberflus thing? Is that a week one is just weird thing? And the Jordan Love stuff was funky. It's hard to tell. It's very hard to tell. Um, but, you know, will if you had a guess, let's say it's week eight, is Eberflus still calling – A, is he still calling defensive plays, and B, is there potentially someone added to the staff maybe just as an assistant in some way? I think you're almost going to have to because Eberflus cannot continue to do two people's jobs. You know, he's not supposed to be running the defensive meetings and sitting in on defensive meetings in that capacity. He's supposed to kind of be bouncing around and see, overseeing the entirety of the team and its operation. Right, CEO. Um, I, I mean, 
God, what, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You just promote Borgonzi? Do you promote the secondaries coach whose name is slipping my mind? Is it Chris Hoke? Is that right? I, I can't The remember. list of Bears like me, uh, staff is not de- depth oh, that I have. Uh, it's not top of mind for you? God, no. kind of kind of Bears fanalist are you, jerk? Um, Very mid, apparently. Or, but, or are they going to bring in, like, I know they were connected to Rod Marinelli when Eberflus first got here. Got here. John Hope. Look at that. Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like, I would I would think you need a body, like at least on some other body, whether it's bringing them in as defensive coordinator or defensive assistant or something, or you're going to bring someone on the lower end and kind of shift everyone up a peg. I mean, Rob Marinello is really interesting. Obviously, that was he's got Bears ties plus, so you maybe you can call in a favor, and he's connected to Eberflus. Um, but yeah, I think you have to bring in someone just to, like you said. That, that, that's what your common sense would tell you, but, I mean, it's the, the Bears, Bears or anything but common sense, right? Um, so that's pretty much where this stands right now in terms of the whole Allen Williams defensive coordinator into Iberflu's thought process. We'll see what happens against the Chiefs. I mean, obviously very tough. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit as we get into the specific matchups, but, you know, the Chiefs offense has been meh so far in the first two games they played a, re- a decent defense in jacksonville so that's definitely gonna be part of it but you know it'll be interesting to say the least um yeah i mean i think call it the Nagy revenge game call it mahomes revenge game part two where he's gonna count down to 10 again on his fingers for slipping all the way whatever it might be and kelsey's back he's another week healthier getting on that knee trusting himself a little more I mean, I don't think this game is going to end up being particularly close, if I were to tell you. But this is going to be a get-right game for the Chiefs, it feels like, especially offensively. Moving on to another topic here. Um, Let's let's just get the Justin Fields stuff out of the way in terms of the comments. Um, (laughs) I think it's interesting because I I think it's both two things. Two things to be true at the same time. A, he can – be a smart individual that chose his words specifically to in a way not call out the coaching staff but put his foot in this you know foot in the door and say hey this is what's going on he's being honest and at the same time i don't think it's necessarily showing that he has a problem with the coaches like you know i think all of that can be true all at once and actually i was pretty happy when i heard him say what he said i was too because it's clear he's not comfortable and it's beyond me they've got what four or five actual designed run calls between between quarterback runs and rpos themselves through two games that's unacceptable like and i get i'm also the same guy who said last year that this isn't the kind of quarterback he was coming out of college because it wasn't but if it's what's working and it's what led the league in scoring for a four or five week stretch whatever it was last year justin's clearly not adverse to it justin wants to win like this is if that gives you the best chance at winning, why have we seen the Bears completely go away from it? And I'm glad he said it. And then then the re coming out and like saying he's twisting the words. Justin's a smart kid. He was his first recruiting letters were from the heart or from like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton and stuff like that. He's right. the, the Ivy League schools don't recruit football players to play football. They recruit them because they're smart. That's what they do. So I, I just – Justin knew what he was saying. He was very calculated and very, to quote Dan Bernstein's word, surgical. 
and how he said it. He meant every word. And then the coaching staff probably got a little bit butthurt, ass mad, whatever terminology you want to use, and made him go back out there. Because that wasn't taken out of context. That was completely within the context of the question, how it was framed. And he answered honestly. He's frustrated. He's never lost as much. And all he's done since getting to Chicago is lose. And I think part of it, too, we're like with pseudo media. We don't don't really count as that since we're kind of doing it from home and all that jazz. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a truth. I mean, to what Justin said when he went out there, in my opinion, and reeled it back, which I wish he hadn't. It would have been a stronger message. But um, when he's like, you guys do this for clicks. And I think media got even more mad at that. Like, how dare you call it, say we're doing this for clicks. But when you're someone like, and I'm going to say it right now, when you're someone like Dan Weeder and you tweeted what you did, which was like half of his quote, it, it, that is not what he what Justin said, and it, nor did it have the inflection. Obviously, it's hard to do that through written word, but when you go and actually listen mm-hmm. to the full quote with how Justin said it, it does not sound nearly as damning as what the window, the way that it was no. sent out in various tweets. And that's the part that's so frustrating with it too is, if you're a media, you have responsibility. Use your characters and your tweet or whatever appropriately, and really give the context of what's being said. Yeah, relay the whole quote. You, you, you're. I'm sure the Tribune or who? Yeah, he works for the Tribune. Is going to pay for your your subscription so you can tweet out long form form posts. It's not gonna affect them. Your five dollars a month or whatever it's going to be covered. Right. Like, it, it's just it's very frustrating, especially because Justin does speak very eloquently and very measured. He said everything he said for a reason. So it, I feel like it's a kind of a nothing burger story, but it it's funny because I believe what Justin said is true. While also, like you said, two things operating in the same solar system can remain the same, can be, can both be true. You know, right. He can be frustrated with the coaching and still like the coaches. And it can also be true that the coaches have put him in some minor situations to succeed and he hasn't succeeded. Like, case in point, missed open throws and taking sacks. Now, is that because he's not seeing it? Is it because he's being told to hold on the ball and stay in the pocket? We don't know. We're not in the meeting rooms kind of thing. But it just feels like such a massive overstatement of what Justin Fields actually said and meant and how it's being portrayed. Because like you said, if you just listen to the question and the answer, it's not malicious. It's, it's not... Uh, Mason, I think you're having some uh, feedback on your mic. Your mic has feedback. Terminator 2, Rise of the Machines in full view. But like I was saying, it's, it's hard to... No, you're good. Go ahead and continue with any thoughts you might have. I was just gonna um, say, like, we've all, I think, been through that to an extent too, where like we start a new job or something of that nature, or someone else comes in, or basically there's just something new that's brought into something that we tend to do consistently, and then all of a sudden we're having to add that to what we know or what we think we know, and it's hard. It's hard when you have to now say, okay, normally I just do one, two, three, right? 
Like if someone like, let's say you're like just preparing dinner and you're normally cut onion in a certain way. And now someone has told you, you're going to cut it this different way. You're going to hold your knife just in this different orientation. You're going to have to think through every step of like, okay, how do I do this? And where does this go? And how does that go? And how do I not cut my finger off? And that's more or less what's happening. It's like, he's thinking, how do I not cut my damn finger off? And he's missing throws and he's taking sacks. And obviously he needs to hit those people. We're not, no one is saying Justin is not to blame here. He acknowledges that he's the one that points the finger at himself first more than anything, but you have to take into consideration what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Too. Correct. The other thing. Um, so uh, Getsy did talk today, which overall between Getsy and polls, kind of a nothing burger, as you said, I mean, mm-hmm. what was polls going to say today? That was anything too crazy. It was nice to hear him stand behind Justin a bit. Um, the one thing that, kind of stood out for me was when talking about uh, Justin's footwork, Luke Getze believes like you know, having that foot forward in the shotgun is important, but he says he would never force a player to use that footwork if they didn't feel comfortable with it. Nathan Peterman tried it, didn't like it. So he has his right foot forward and Getze specifically said, Justin loves it. He loves the timing, the rhythm of it all. I don't know how much I fully believe in that. I know Justin is a very like, he loves to be coached and he wants to please his coaches and I would argue that if he loves the timing and rhythm, we wouldn't see the issues we're seeing. And so that to me is weird. Justin Fields is very much the old school. You ask me to jump, you tell him to jump, he's going to ask how high. Yeah. That's just how he's wired. And I think it's because his dad was a military and in the police force as well. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm getting that wrong, but I know he was for sure in the military. So he was probably just raised under that, that tutelage almost of just what I say goes. When I ask you to do something, you're going to ask me how quickly you want it done. And that's just how he's wired. So I'm with you. Like, And and I think we learned that the footwork with the right foot back and the left foot forward really came because of guys like Rodgers and Brady doing it. Mm -hmm. And now it's just becoming the invoke thing to teach quarterbacks. I understand it to an extent. We also have to just – case in point understand that not every quarterback is Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Right. Like, and you know, this as well as I, I do Mason, like when you learn to do something a certain way, throw a baseball, throw a football, drop back into your drop, get to the top, get to all these things. It's, it's your general motor programming. How you learn to do something is how you learn to do it. Mm-hmm. You can't just unlearn that and reteach it. It's a very hard thing to do. It's why the Tim Tebow thing where he changed his throwing mechanics never took off because he always did the drop below, come up, and wind up all his throw, right? Justin Fields is never going to be able to completely change who he is as a, at his core as an athlete because he's done it the same way probably since he was five or six years old. Like I, I hate this thing of just mess with the footwork, mess with the arm slot, mess with the angle. It's like – but he – it's worked his whole life. Why change it? Like I get tweaking it here and there, but just this, it feels like they're co- trying to completely overhaul his mechanics. And it's like, I go back to the, um, the Bruce Arians thing where he himself said he ruined a high end quarterback prospect. Cause he kept trying to change things. He did. He got to Pittsburgh and instead of telling Ben, Hey, you have to get rid of the ball. You have to get rid of the ball. He let Ben Roethlisberger be Ben Roethlisberger. Cause that's who he's been his whole life. Like there is such a thing as overcoaching. And I think coaches got it ass backwards in the sense of they're, they're told you have to fix things. And right. when you fix things, you're trying to see what's wrong. 
versus how do I accentuate things someone does well? How do you and enhance? Then how do I enhance what he does well and then work on the small things in the process? Absolutely. Coaching, I feel, is so ass backwards, and it has been for a very, very long time. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Sorry. No, and that's a great point. And I was going to parlay off that because it's a fantastic point where, you know, the really good coaches, like you said, they see this is who you are. This is what you do. Well, I can add this to tweak and make, you know, give you a little bigger toolbox. But, you know, if the best thing in your toolbox is a hammer, I'm not going to spend all day trying to get you to use a damn screwdriver. You know, I do that all the time when I'm trying to work with people at, you know, as a physical therapist with the squat form. Like you have to take in consideration body type, right? Some people have short femurs. Some people have long femurs. If you try to make that long femured person have the exact same squat mechanics as the short femured one, you're going to cause problems and back pain and all these different things. It's You're shoving a square peg in a round hole. Now, obviously, that's something fit more physical instead of in this case, which is more mental to an extent. But you can take it the same exact way, right? Like the, the people that are so like, here is the box and everyone has to fit in it. It's just ridiculous. Now, that being said, Justin, what he did last year was fantastic, right, in terms of being stuff on the ground, but they didn't win games. And so obviously, yes, and he, Justin acknowledges this. Everyone acknowledges this. You have to throw to win football games in this league in this time period. But how do you take what he does and create a passing game off that, right? And that's that's what I have seen almost nothing of when it comes to this coaching staff so far. Correct. Like it almost should be looking like Brian, what Brian Dayball does for Daniel Jones. You're getting him on the move and you're cutting the field in half. And if it's one, if the one's not there and two's not there, go. It's not sexy, but it's just what they have to do. Everything in between had a couple of good questions here that connect to this. Uh, He says, do you think they'll put an emphasis on shaping the offense around Justice Playstyle versus the Chiefs? And then secondarily, if so, do you think that will create more opportunities for Justin supporting cast offensive line receivers? I guess I'm going to, I would look at it. It's almost too, until the buy happens and you have that length of time, I don't think you can make too many changes. Kind of like what you spent all summer installing is kind of what you have to an extent, but I think they're going to try to shift closer to it. I don't think they're all of a sudden going to come out and call 10 quarterback runs or like you said, Danny, cut the field in half, roll out all that like crazy, but you got to have a degree of a shift to it, right? You have to. And it's not like it's completely formed. They did it last year after the mini buy. It's not like this is just a completely copy and paste thing. What it says more to me is really in the offseason, this is just not something gets he is comfortable with, nor does he really want to do because it's not his offense. It's not what he's comfortable with. He's comfortable with stuff like what Joe Moorhead was doing at Mississippi State when he was there with him and what what they were doing under LaFleur with Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the, what, five best quarterbacks to ever walk this planet. Like – you, he, it's like he's trying to make this offense as he sees it should be, not what he can be successful with. And that's what's so frustrating because they had a formula that was working. Is it sustainable long-term for a, for a viable NFL offense to do year over year? No, probably not. But it's something to build on. It's your foundation, as it were. And the Bears don't have a foundation right now. Let's call it what it is. Like we're in year two of this offense – and they've lost the identity, their bread and butter of what they do well, which is run the football. I think that's what you have to go with with almost every offense and defense for that matter. Like you said, who mm-hmm. who are you at the core? Like, are, are you West Coast? Are you quarterback? Right? You know, you, you have to have a, at least a central identity that you branch off of. Of course, I can't tell you what the frick the Bears are. I don't. Even, I can't even tell you what they want to be. Half the time, I, when I'm no. watching them play, like I just don't understand 
what ultimately who are you trying because they don't even look technically at the Packers. Like it doesn't look like an Aaron Rodgers offense. It doesn't look like a Shanahan offense. It's just this question mark. No, because and they can't block anything up. That's the other thing. And that's partially because they're injuries and Nate Davis had had the fam the, the family loss and everything. But just I don't know what you do. And it's infuriating. So connecting to that, uh, Daniel had a question too. Why not much running this year? So if you had to, I know it's it's multifaceted, but if you had to put a pin in like the top reason why there's not as much running this year, let's say both honestly from on the traditionally on the ground, they're Clearly, Herbert had four carries in the first half last game, and then also in terms of Justin. Um, I, if I had to put my finger on it, I think it's just because they. I think it's too wrong. So we can't dismiss Justin Fields' quote last year of how he wants to lead the league, lead the league in passing one day. This is partially him driven. He wants to do that. It's also partially. I think it's what Luke Getzey wants to do. Luke Getzey. Grew up, I believe he. I believe he was a quarterback in college. He wants to throw. Most offensive play callers are former quarterbacks. Guys like Deuce Staley and of that, uh, Anthony Lynn is another one who was a head coach for a while, who was a running back and cut his teeth as a running back coach and eventually got a head coaching job. These guys, those guys, don't get play calling because don't get play calling gigs a whole lot because it's not a running league. And I understand that, and I'm with that. But when you get all these quarterback background, former quarterbacks or wide receiver coaches, what are they all going to want to gravitate to? Throw the football. And we've come to a point now where everyone's playing these two high looks of cover four, cover two, cover six, et cetera, et cetera, that they've taken away your explosive plays. The explosive plays are, I believe, on a record low pace in the 2023 to start the year. And it's because defensive coordinators are daring you to do something else. Stop passing the ball. Are you going to start running the ball and taking, like, basically what what the defense is giving you in the short passing game? So it's partially Getze. It's partially Fields. But I'm going to lean more towards it's Luke Getze wanting to show what he is as a play caller and show his offense off, which, as we just covered, I don't know if he even knows what his offense is. And then going back to what you said earlier with the kind of person Justin is, with the pride he has, I mean, he's being called a running back all damn summer, that he's not a quarterback, and that if Getty's mm-hmm. like, hey, this is how we're going to win games, Justin, and this is how we get you to be known as a quarterback, and this is how we get you to be a top 10 passer in this league, I yeah, if I'm Justin, I'm probably going to do the same thing. Like, all right, I got you. Yeah, this is, if you're telling me this is what I have to do, this is what we're going to do. So it's a mixed bag, but and that's the thing too. And I don't like necessarily want to even like say this, but ultimately, what what do we can assume that Getzy also wants to be a head coach, right? That, yeah. that makes sense. Then that's just a progression, especially for offensive guys and play callers. What do you? How are you more likely to get a head coaching job in terms of making Justin Fields a top ten passer or to create the most dynamic? option-based RPO with a heavy run game kind of offense. I would lean towards the former. I would lean towards the former too. And your, your, your case study on that is Greg Roman's arguably the best run designer in the NFL. And where, where is he working right now? He's got no job and he, but he literally had what a, 
the most effective offenses year in and year out while tutel well while keeping Lamar Jackson under his tutelage. Say what you want. Uh, it, it, I get it was run heavy. I get it. But you're gonna you're not gonna see him get a job because that's a very specific style of quarterback that Lamar is versus someone like why why Matt Nagy's probably gonna get another job before Greg Roman ever sniffs one. I'm almost certain Matt Nagy is going to stay in Kansas City about three-ish more years. Andy Reid's going to retire, and he's going to take over for Kansas City and as a head coach. That that's my current bet. Right, I'm, I'm more just like giving you an uh, you, oh, I was just throwing, I was just throwing out my wild take more than anything. Yeah, uh, or uh, Kellen Moore is your one. That's, that's the thing. Like, Kellen, people are salivating over Kellen Moore. People are salivating over um, Ben Johnson with the Lions in terms of what he's done with that pass game. You know, so exactly the way, what you said. So we do at some point need to talk about the next game that is coming up. But before we do that, we do have to do our concussed corner, which is something we did not like from the last game. A decision so odd that the decision maker may be concussed. I'm going to continue this thought process on Luke Getze. <laughs> and I'm going to say, why the hell did you call a screen again for the third time in a, in a very short series of plays twice in a row? Um, Deep, that deep. I mean, yes, there's not as many options when you're that deep because Chase Claypool doesn't know the timing of how to block, so you got a you know a decent chunk of call back. But like, that's I that to me makes absolutely no sense. It, like, you cannot. You, this isn't Madden. You don't spam the same play seven times in a row just because it's working. Like, this is a professional football team. That's just me. That that was my same concussed corner. Like two two screens in a row, three and like five plays th- five plays on the drive that were all the same screenplay, and you got Levante David literally saying like we knew it was coming, like we knew it. <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's um, malpractice. It's offensive malpractice. But that brings us to our break. We are we are going to discuss our sponsor, Achilles Ankle Repair. The first thing to hit the ground when you play most sports is your foot. So why isn't your foot and ankle strength a priority for you? Achilles was created by founder Trey Villarreal and co-founder Eric Slosberg to give every athlete the advantage to perform with confidence and allow them to play at 100% even after suffering serious injuries. It is trusted by collegiate and professional teams all over the nation. The Achilles has been shown to increase muscle development by as much as 320% in the lower leg muscles. I use this myself for my personal ankle strength and all of my lower extremity patients. Often transitioning from table exercise to functional movements and standing can be hard due to ankle weakness. Traditional bands are too weak and many standing balance exercises are too hard. Achilles bridges the gap by bulletproofing the ankles and knees. It can be used for rehab, injury prevention, and overall strengthening. So it's great for the clinic, the gym, or the home. Want to see in action? head to their Instagram, Achilles underscore nation, or my own personal page, PT. Then go to anchorepair.com to order yours and use code nation, N-A-T-I-O-N, for free shipping until October 1st. Achilles. Now we have to get to our training room roundup. This is where we're going to talk about what the Bears and Chiefs have on the injury report. Uh, before specifically getting to the report, though, we talked about this a little earlier. Braxton Jones was sent to IR. He finished the entire game. You know, he didn't have to leave or anything like that. Um, I have my reasons to believe why this isn't necessarily the most, the biggest deal for him. Uh, but when you hear neck offensive lineman IR, what does that make you think, Danny? Oh, look at that. Scott just asked about it. Boom. 
Um, I think it means he's probably done for the year and that that's something that should be probably taken pretty seriously. It's his neck. I mean, it's the same thing with Tevin Jenkins, his rookie year in his back. Like, it's just not that when you start dealing with your spine, man, it's just nothing to, to scoff at. Like, take your time with it. Make sure it's right. I don't know anything specific about this uh, particular injury in terms of what he's dealing with right now. If I did, I can give you more background. But the fact he was able to finish the game to me makes it sound like it's either whiplash, which, so if anyone's ever been in a car accident, they may know like they get in the car accident, they get out and it's like, they feel okay. And then they go to bed, they wake up the next day and all of a sudden it's like, I cannot turn my neck. Like I just, I just can't. Um, and that can be relatively serious. I mean, there's other things you have to look at, you know, did you get a transverse ligament rupture? I can go on a whole thing about that. We don't need to do that today, but um, that's one of the things that can take, a month plus for it to go away. And, you know, now if you're going to be playing a sport where a lot of contact head, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, you, you cannot play football with a whiplash injury. That's my guess in terms of what happened there. Um, if it was something more, you know, a large, like if it was a fracture, he would not have finished the game. If it was a, even like a stinger, you would have seen some differences in arm usage, which I went back and I didn't necessarily see anything like in terms of what I thought was muscle weakness or nerve issues. Uh, hard to sure. tell from a video, obviously, but, I think he's going to be back this year. I don't think it's a season-ending one, but we do have to wait and see more info. Sure. Um, Josh Blackwell is one of the biggest ones that stand out on this list for me, the fact that he was a full participant today because he, in theory, is the one that should have replaced Kyle Gordon last week if he wasn't dealing with a hamstring. What does that mean for the Bears if Josh Blackwell can come back and play nickel? I mean, it's putting people probably in the right position instead of trying to, like, almost play musical chairs in terms of like who's playing, who's not, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. Josh Blackwell, I thought played all right last year. Be nice to see him again, I guess. <laughs> I would much rather be Kyler Gordon, but here we are. Here we are. Um, definitely helps. Um, yeah. It's the, it, the fact you're not relying on guys like Jalen Jones, uh, Greg Stroman. They're, they're fine in a pinch, but you don't want to have to rely, rely on them. Nope. Uh, other people on this list, uh, Nate Davis, he's not going to, play uh right he is still dealing with uh, personal issues the death of the family uh apparently you know there's something that has been going on for a little while now that we were not aware of so definitely uh, thoughts and prayers are with him and his family eddie jackson did not participate the fact that at this point you know he's not put on ir if, if this was something like he had last year with the liz frank injury if this was something with obviously achilles aaron rogers asked he would already be on ir the fact that it's not clearly the bears think that he can either play if not this week, potentially the following week. Um, how important is it for Eddie Jackson to play, not necessarily even this game, but let's say the next couple, Commanders, Raiders? I think it's very important. Like, he's one of your most impactful defenders. You kind of need him out there, especially with the amount of throwing teams you're doing against the Bears, who can't generate pressure. And when they do, they seemingly can't finish the sack. Yeah, the lack of sacks is a whole thing. But, <sighs> um so, uh, Khalid Kareem, whatever, you cut a very solid pass rusher for someone who's been inactive. I don't care about you right now. Um, Mercedes Lewis, I guess he's just resting. He's always resting. Um, do you remember? Do you know how many snaps he played last game? I didn't see the snap. I, I didn't see the snap count either, but he's important on their running play. He's an absolute unit of a blocker. Oh, my God. He had a couple blocks last game. Wild. Just he, wild. He's very, very good at what he does. It's very limited. 
like and he's almost a tell when he's out there but i kind of don't care because he's awesome at it because <laughs> it literally doesn't matter he, like i think it was the uh the touchdown where justin ran in the first one where chase whiffed on the and block he, and he took and out two he guys just ate up two guys at the same time. He's like all right chase i got you <laughs> just don't, don't worry dog i'll t- i'll take you to the promised land it's fine uh darnell mooney limited that's fantastic to see uh, well friday will be very important for him says knee but we're dealing with a quad contusion uh it's tough when you get like basically like that heavy hit in that thigh muscle and now you have a pretty solid bruise on there it's hard to generate power and you need that for knee stability um and then lucas patrick he was sick now he's not great i don't think i ever need to see lucas patrick ever again play football (laughs) Flipping to Kansas City, they have a long list, as you can see here. Most of them ended up playing today full, so they're not huge, huge on the bottom end there. But a couple that do stand out here. Bolton's the big one for me. Bolton, Pacheco Limited, and then Kadarius Toney. That might be a benefit for them, honestly. Um, (laughs) Bolton is – they don't have a ton of names on their defense, but Mm -hmm. they have a bunch of guys that just play well together, and Bolton is a central figure in that. Yeah, I think Bolton's a hell of a linebacker, honestly. I think he's kind of almost underappreciated because linebackers have tend to go that way anymore, unless you're like Fred Warner or Roquan Smith, one of those upper echelon guys. Like We tend not to talk about the guys who are above average or very good, and I think Bolton's in that area. Like He's a very good football player. The other one that I would – that I think is interesting that he's listed on there because he's been full since anything is Jawan Taylor because he was flat out benched last week. Like, this seems like it's saving face. Like, oh, his shoulder's bothering him. Yeah, when you're just waving people around like Wendell Kim coaching third base for the Cubs. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to hurt a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if he if they play him. Because, they, I mean, like you said, he's full, but he's listed. And they just were like, you suck, dude. And they pulled him. <laughs> you are not good after we just gave you $21 million so dollars a year. Yeah. Um, Richie James, you might remember him. He was on the Giants. He didn't participate. Uh, he's their main return man, uh, especially specifically on punts. So, you know, special team wise, definitely important. I, Pacheco keeps standing out to me, A, because he's on my fan, one of my fantasy teams. So that's important for me. But B, you know, hamstring, still nothing to mess with. If he's limited on Friday, that could be something where now all of a sudden you're going to your second and third tier running backs, which is not fantastic. And I don't know how much uh, Chiefs football you've watched this year Danny but as much as we've messed with Kadarius Tony after that awful awful week one game against the Lions with all the drops and I mean he is like he he's an important part of their offense I mean, he, he, he eats targets he doesn't catch them all but he looked they look at him and he's also open <laughs> like, uh, he like you said his hands are suspect but he's got some game breaking ability to himself and he's they gave up capital. Like, they gave up a third and a fifth to get him. Like, yeah. it's not like they didn't give up nothing for him. Exactly. But it's interesting when you have Patrick Mahomes going on record saying, he was asked, like, so who's your go-to? And, like, Kelsey wasn't really a part of that combo. It was, like, well, duh, Kelsey. But in terms of, like, the wide receivers, he's like, I don't really – Mahomes said, I don't really know. So, Tony hasn't really been able to even, like, truly separate himself even with that capital that they gave up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have – why am I blanking? Who's the second-year guy? They got Marquez Valdez Scantling. They've Sky got Moore was uh, Sky Moore. Moore. Yeah, Sky, Sky Moore has been disappointing. He is not anything. Bad. He's been bad. <laughs> so this passing offense, it's literally Mahomes willing the ball to be caught. So, but we'll get it. We'll get into that. But um, 
definitely keep an eye on some of these injuries because it could take a offense that's not humming right now and potentially, you know, make it worse. Now let's move on to our knee jerk reaction. One hot take going into next week. Danny, what you got? This whole situation in Chicago could get very, very bad, very, very quickly. Like I, I don't have anywhere else. Like it's not going to be up to this week because even if the Bears were two and zero, no one would be picking the Bears to upset the Chiefs. Um, God, I don't even like this is bordering on like this could get Tressman era bad if it continues. Like, and I don't want to think about that because I don't think Eberflus the person is anywhere near as weird as Tressman was, and Tressman like had people screaming at him in the locker room and stuff. Like, I don't think anyone's going to do that to Matt Eberflus, but it, it has potential to just snowball him quickly. The thing that's interesting, so I'm pulling it up here. So after the Chiefs, Bears have Broncos, Commanders, Vikings, Raiders. So that's four games that on paper, in theory, are you're not you're not like super confident, obviously, in all those because of the current state of the Bears. But in terms of just the team they're playing, those are four teams that you're like, yeah, you could beat those teams. You could beat the Broncos, the Commanders, the Vikings, the Raiders. So it's such an interesting point in the season you're at because you're absolutely right. You can go zero and three and things look awful, and then you could rattle off three out of four wins, mm-hmm. and now you're looking at three and four or like potentially four and three. And you could also be zero and seven to be to be completely honest. But like, <laughs> is it? But isn't that just such an interesting? I think it's very interesting in terms of the setup of the season where it could be so terrible at zero and three, and if you fast forwarded, you know, four weeks to week eight, yeah. Like, what is that? And you're what? You're a five hundred team. Like, it's just kind of sometimes how the schedule falls. It is, especially with how heartbreaking it feels like weeks one and two were. My knee-jerk reaction, so I wrote this, uh, this is back on Monday, before the Braxton Jones news hit, which, by the way, we didn't mention this. It was mentioned that Larry Borum and or Jatiri Carter could potentially go to tackle. Carter's less likely. That came out later this week, so it's looking like it'll be Larry Borum will be the guest. Uh, but I wrote, for me, I wrote, Braxton Jones is playing his way to Larry Borum territory. He's been one of the most consistent linemen over the last two weeks overall. However, the four to five-ish mistakes he's made each game have been big mistakes I would not expect in his second year. Like, this, that's rookie stuff, I thought. And that's what bothered, what was bothering me the most, where it's, it's communication issues, it's, like, setting issues. Like, one that comes to mind in particular was um, in the last game, he, he just didn't set deep enough. Like he, he thought it looks like he thought maybe he had responsibility for the linebacker that was creeping mm-hmm. up on a potential blitz. And yep. he just realized, Oh wait, shoot, he's not coming. And there's no one to help on the left. Like that's your guy on the left. Go like you could tell everyone stepped to the left and he just didn't. And I, that to me, you that's unforgivable. That's like, that's a YOLO. Hey, Justin, like, like look out. It's kind of a block. So I don't know. And you go the week before that, he had that weird jumping jack, sliding to the right, just ignoring another guy completely. Like, those are unforgivable blocks. I mean, it's it's really the whole line. Like, it, it really, really makes you question or bring into question what were not just Poles and Cunningham thinking. What 
what was Chris Morgan and, and Luke Getze looking at? Yeah. Like, where they're like, this is this is fine. Like, I get it. You invested in Nate Davis. I get it. You invested in Braxton Jones, who's been – he's been a bit of a – not Braxton Jones, I'm sorry, Darnell Wright. He, he's been a bit of a roller coaster, but with the amount he's been left on an island and everything, he's been passable. When he's gotten his hands on people, he yeah, usually he, doesn't let them go. He, he's He's been good. But I shouldn't be saying your rookie right tackle is arguably your best lineman right now. Right. That's a problem. <laughs> it's a huge problem. White hair looks like he's just there. He looks old. He looks old. He looks slow he looks like. and old. Yeah. This line was. They should have gotten. There's. This is hindsight. Twenty twenty ish now, but there should have been at least one more lineman, veteran lineman signed. Like someone you spent some money on, brought him in. Uh, Agreed. Because this is rough. It's bad. <laughs> well, let's move on to something. To be a perfectly honest, something brutally honest we have, uh, mine was that Kansas secondary is playing scarily well. Again, there's no, like, household names on that team. If you're a diehard football fan, you probably know at least a couple of them. But they just all intertwine and move very well. And, you know, it, it, they just play the pass. When they pass off uh, receivers in zone, uh, the communication's on point. They only allowed, was it, nine points to the Jaguars, Yeah, I believe? Um, and I think it was 14 points the week before that. Uh, it's this defense is legit, and the secondary in particular is also legit. And Steve uh, Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, up. Yep. he's a guy that I mean, he knows how to run a really good defense, and so it's fun too. It's, it's very, it's very, it's very chaotic. Yeah. There's the, a blitz can come from anywhere. They can send anyone into coverage. It's you don't really know what it's got is going to happen because. Um, basically, he's got Spagnuolo's got to fuck it as a play caller. Like he'll just call whatever because he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Oh, hello, Quentin. You telling me Legarius Speed isn't a household name? That's exactly what I'm telling you, Q. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to my my to be a perfectly honest, um, I I get the feeling that maybe this whole kind of going on how building off of this could get ugly really fast. It's possible this whole regime's just in over their head from the from the GM to the to the coaching staff. They're they haven't won a game in almost a calendar year, which I get there's four months off, five months off, but they they're what 13 straight losses now, all surrendering 25 points or more. And you're the defensive head coach. You're not scoring. You're not getting enough yards. You're not stopping people. You're not generating pressure. You're not taking the ball away. Shout out to Quan Brisker for who broke perfectly on that ball and proceeded to not catch it because he apparently buttered up his gloves real good. Um, like it, I don't know what to say. It, it feels like it's the old John Fox quote of "It's all a problem." And, you know, it's like that phrase, that, uh, and I, I know you've said this before, right? You know, the fish rots at the head. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, it goes back, it goes to ownership. That's a problem. It goes down, it trickles down to Kevin Warren. I mean, he just got here. Keep that in mind. <laughs> like, he wasn't a part of a lot of these decisions, and I don't know how much football decisions he's even making, but that's a problem. You know, polls, regardless, I think what happens the rest of this year, I, I think you could lose the rest of these games. He's going to get a second coach. He's not going to get He's getting, he's he's getting, getting another head coach. So, that is what it is. I mean, obviously, you can dissect the moves or lack potentially of moves there. But I go back even more so, like you were to Eberflus, where you're the culture guy, you're the hits guy, 
I don't, there's, I don't see a ton of hustle at times, right? Like whether it was like, there was the, uh, yeah. Peanut Tillman punch ball and you just like the ball's just scooching by. And I think it was Rasheem Green who was just like, all right, bye ball. Just letting that go. There's no hustle there. You know, there's the time where I understand it's oh, the defense. That's a pretty ball. Yeah. And then the, I don't understand it's the defense, but you know, cover two with the fact that sometimes it looks like Jalen Johnson is just like, oh, cool. The guy that wasn't my responsibility, the guy that cut across. And I get that, but now go get him. Now that the ball's going there, go to it. Go get him. You know? Yeah. And the S, the smart, think about all the penalties. The penalties are killing you. And there's the other thing that you have to bring up when you are the CEO coach. And I get he was calling plays this past week. There was a they ripped the ball from the running back. That was Bears football, and they didn't even bother challenging it after they dropped the interception. Like, yeah, I'm bringing up a thing with Brian Mendenhall here. It's only two games. Look, I am the most hey chill. It's only week two person, like almost <laughs> out there. But these are things that we're talking about that it doesn't shouldn't matter what week it is. In week one, mm-hmm. two, or 17 you should be hustling to the ball you should the Jaquan Brisker is not going to get is not all of a sudden catching that interception in week 14 like there's only a few things there's only a few things coaches can control it's discipline on the field your splits and how you line up like whether it's wide receivers linemen linebackers etc etc and penalties these are things that are coaching this isn't player driven Mm mm-hmm you are not allowed to be the undisciplined, lackadaisical team when you're the hits guy. And I defended Eberflus. I liked the Eberflus hire. And I said at the time, maybe it was because it was comfort, comfortable and it felt familiar. And the most successful era of Bears football came under a very similar regime in terms of the, the, want, the, the, the ideology behind it. But this is not acceptable, especially when you're under-talented. I don't care how much – talent they added in the draft or how many bodies they added through free agency. They were awful last year and they're not a good roster this year. That's not, it wasn't going to get fixed in one off season. And keep in mind, like neither of us were saying like we actively want. No, Eberflus no fired today. And no That's one wants not the what we're to be bad. <laughs> we're not like rooting for losses. We're not saying fire Eberflus today. What we're saying is if it continues, if you see this type of product four or five, six weeks from now, that's where it's going. That's what, that's what all we're saying. That has to change. And you as the head coach have to change that. Like you, like you and, said, the discipline pa- part, that's on you. And to kind of give some leeway, who know if there was a personal matter that was bleeding over into the locker room from Alan Williams and that was affecting meetings and affecting the culture. That is entirely possible. But it needs to be resolved. In whatever way, it, like it, it's not easy, yeah. but if it was easy, there's only 32 head coaching jobs in the National Football League. It's a very prestigious position. It's a position people want. If you cannot get that done, then you can't be in the you can't be a head coach. It's as simple as that. It sucks, but that's but that's, that's the nature of the beast. Nature of the beast. Well, ain't this humorous? Something a little funny, something quirky. Uh, mine is the the lack of the run game, and I I know I sound like. I sound ridiculous right now because I'm the person who's always also like, don't run, run, pass. I hate it kind of thing. Like I'm captain of that ship. Don't, don't, why are you running so many times? Why are you running on first down? But it, it is odd to me that funnily odd where you have Khalil Herbert getting four carries in the first half and you have Justin Fields having, people keep saying that that touchdown was a design run. That was a, that was a scramble, right? I thought, 
I thought it was a scramble. I thought it was a broken play, and he just said, screw this, I'm going. Thank you. That's what I thought, because DJ Moore <laughs> running, running a damn route in the back of the end zone. Right? Yeah, and, that's what I thought, at least. And so but, you had one real quarterback design run towards the – when you watch the broadcast coming at you, and it was a terrible design run, to be completely honest. So it's funny because you go back to, in theory, where this coaching – this offense comes from. And again, this goes back to who are you? The Shanahan offense leans very heavily on the run. And that's one of the reasons Brock Purdy can survive. You know, it uses the run to set up the pass and all the beautiful things that Kelt, that uh, all the receivers in Debo, Debo Samuel and Ayuk and all that can do. You know, go back to even the Packers, right? You have the double-headed beast of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who with Aaron Rodgers and all the awesome things he did, was able to produce a great offense. Mm-hmm. You're not establishing any rhythm whatsoever on the ground. And you were actually running the ball pretty well when you did choose to run it. You just then said, screw it. I'm going to make Justin throw the ball. And he was struggling. So I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. It makes no sense to me. I, it's so, it's, it makes no sense. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, mine is the whole, what feels like it's becoming a dog and pony show of the offense players and, and coaching. Like the, it's kind of touching on what we did earlier with Justin said something. Clearly, Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus took some sort of offense to it, got a little bit ass mad, and they sent him back out there to apologize when he said nothing inflammatory. He just said how he felt in a very well manicured way. (laughs) It it, it just feels completely broken. Like, it's like, do you remember when we were kids, we had like the Autobots from or the Beast Wars transforming toys? Yeah. And then, like, you would put a piece in too soon and it would screw up you trying to put it back together. Mm-hmm. And it just, but the toy felt broken. That's what this offense feels like. like. They're just not putting things back to where they should be, or they're not opening the toy correctly. And they're getting mad and throwing it. Like just throwing the toy. Like just, I'm done with this. Brief segue. I loved beast wars. That whole transformers animated series as a kid. Oh. And I hate what they did with that stupid movie. The stupid like, movie. That movie oh. was horrendous. <laughs> That was awful. You took something that was so cool and you made it so bad. I don't understand. Yeah, We're going to anyway. move on. <laughs> I'm not me. I just I hate adaptations that suck. I, like Dragon Ball Z to... live action sucked. Avatar live action sucked. What are you doing? I actually own the three Beast Wars seasons on DVD. Oh, do you really? I do. Would you like to borrow them? I might have to because I can't like find them. Yeah, I got them. Oh my God, I might borrow those. Um, so we're going to have a whole separate pod about Beast Wars. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to our uh, love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. Uh, this is a section of the show where we pick a matchup, a dynamic, something that we love, uh, hate, and something that we want to rehabilitate or fix. So what do you love for the Bears, Danny, in this matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, I love what Andrew Billings has been doing on the defensive side of the ball. So therefore, I love what he could continue to do against this Chiefs offense, maybe help open up the rest of the defensive line play. Maybe Yannick Ngakwe finishes when he gets his hands on Pat Mahomes because he had three shots at Mayfield where he had him wrapped and dead to rights and just oops a daisy over him. Uh, and I also, you know, I know it's still frustrating to watch the defense. I thought Matt Eberflus called a good defensive game by comparison to week one. He sent some pressures. He wasn't just dialing up too high. He was making things a little bit more difficult on Baker Mayfield. He's going to have to do that with Pat Mahomes as well. I could go a little bit more without the three-man pressures and dropping eight, but that's just me. 
those are the two. If I had to pick, that's what I love because I think that's going to continue. I think Billings, provided he doesn't run out of gas, as a very roundly built man. <laughs> and we we saw that. I know specifically in the Packers game, that was something that was a question. Uh, Taylor and I talked about um, on the show last week was it sucks that the rotation and his roundness affected the fact that now it's red zone time to stop the Packers down, you know, deep inside. And he's not out there because the rotations, he's gas. He had to come out. And so that sucks. Yeah. So that's what I, what, what did you love for this matchup against the chiefs? Uh, I really couldn't think of anything. So I, went I, I was, scr- I was scratching. <laughs> believe me. The fact that they really have nothing to lose. Like, especially after this week. Like, I don't know that you can technically go down. You're just more just staying down. I, I would argue this is rock bottom. Oh, and two with all the stuff that's happening here. Like it, it's close. If it's not, I mean, yes, you could do crazy stuff where all of a sudden, like Eberflus just like says, you know, throws Justin out the door. It's, he's the worst quarterback I've ever seen or the opposite where it just, you know, something crazy on Justin's end. But in terms of like reality, things that are probably going to happen, like, it really can't get too much worse. So do you go in there almost like the little giants perspective of like, they're going to beat us 99 times out of a hundred, but there's that one time. And it's, and this is the time when, you know, maybe Justin's feeling himself a little bit. If you can get some of those layups, if you can get some of that swagger going um, the chiefs offense again is a little funky right now. This could be a get right game for them, but it could also be a take advantage of their funk they're in game. So, sure. so to me, if you're looking just, at there, positively. just throw everything at the wall. Just let Justin loose. Just say, you know, Justin, go schoolyard bullshit. To quote another bad football movie that I'm sure we all enjoy, The Replacements, Gene Hackman says in the movie, you have nothing left to lose and that makes you all very dangerous, dangerous people. A hundred percent. That is the heart of what I'm going for. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all you have left. You have nothing else. Um, my hate. Chris Jones versus this O-line. Uh, oh, Chris Jones is, is a manimal. Um, he's coming, you know, obviously he didn't practice a ton because he had the whole contract issue, but he still didn't really matter last week. He still was devastating last week. Um, PFF had him graded as, you know, the best player essentially on the field uh, in that last game and as bad as this O-line is. And the fact that he can move too, right? Like you're not going to just put him in the middle. They play him, oh, you know, in the middle. They, they play him on the edge. They play him in seven tech. Yep, they do everything. It's crazy. So I'm. It's just gonna be bad. What about you? Um, the offensive play calling and what the hell is it? Like I just don't like. Last week we saw Roshan bust off what a 32 yard run and then he just disappeared. Like where did Roshan go? Well, yeah. I don't know. He's somewhere. It was like Luke Getzey saw his mentor Matt Lafleur forget that Aaron Jones existed in the Bears game, and he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? We're gonna have it. a. I'm going to do the same thing. Our most talented, best player at this position, he's going to snap off a yard that takes off a third of the field, and I'm going to forget he exists. Yeah. Like, what What are we doing? So I hate that. I hate the matchup, especially because Spagnolo is, like I said, just this mad side. Like, for all the talk of, like, all these offensive play callers being like Willy Wonka, Steve Spagnolo is that defensively. And there's only a few of those guys in this league. Spags is that way. Todd Bowles is that way. And um, Vance Joseph is that way. Where it's just yeah. like, throw caution to the wind. Fuck it. I'm going to send whoever I want. like, And be ready for it. So that's what I hate. That this, 
I don't know what the hell he's doing, why he's doing it, defensive play caller with the guy. I'm not sure if he knows his ass from a hole in the ground, playing, calling plays for the Bears. Uh, what would you rehabilitate? <sighs> kind of jumping off of that, like I would rehabilitate the, the running game. Like I know it's 2023 and I know it's it sucks, but you, you got to get Justin Fields involved. You got to get your running backs involved. You have – a very good, who I believe to be a very good rookie running back in all facets. I don't think he does anything tremendously well, except for maybe pass blocking, but I think he does everything else very good. You've got two of the five most effective runners in the NFL last year at the running back position in Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. Make that, hang your hat on it. It's not sexy. It's very old school. And then if when you're not running the ball, you got to spam DJ Moore. That, just get him the football. Yeah. In some way, shape. Like, if you have to do what, like the famous Randy ratio that Jay Cutler was doing with Brandon Marshall, that that Mike Tice brought here, do it. But th- you gotta get your playmakers the football, and you know what, Cole Komet, please get open in the middle of the field. You just got extended. Find, get open, earn your money. That it's like I'm just reciting, fix the whole goddamn offense. I understand that, but. The overarching point, get, get your running game right. You were the leading running team, leading rushing team in the NFL last year, and you're just choosing to not do it anymore, I guess. Did you know right now Cole Komet is like the sixth, ninth leading? He's oh, the nine. sixth uh, in, in yards for tight ends, and he's sixth in receptions for tight ends. Ooh. And I think he's like, 14th in terms of like fantasy points for tight ends because he's not getting touchdowns that so that's also the, yeah. part of the problem right now but like i mean obviously some of that is like how much of that is he's running the shorter routes and justin's like let me just get this out of here that could just be a product of that but so far according to his yards and his receptions he's earning his contract yeah so far I, i've got a bone to pick with the justin drops a dime into you and you just don't hold on to the football oh that yeah that's that's bullshit like you, you are the big money guy. You have to make that play. Yeah. I don't care that he caught the next two passes. I just don't. <laughs> like, it is what it is, kind of thing. It, it is frustrating because you know, if you remember last year, he had that one like one hand hit spinning catch, and then you know threw the first down uh, signal. And it's a, it was a tough catch, right? I mean, it's tough to catch, pull, knock, you know, the guy, uh, the safety timed it perfectly in terms of getting his body on the mm-hmm. ball. All that's true. But like you said, you just got paid the way you did. You got to figure it, you got to figure it out. You know, give your body up, right? Twist, do something, pull the ball in. You got to figure out a way to catch that. I have never seen a pair of two gigantic athletically gifted men just refuse to play to their size the way Cole Komet and Chase Claypool don't. They just don't play to that size. They play small. They play small. Uh, My rehabilitate, set up the play action more at all, really. Because I don't know how many – how many play action plays can you really think of for the last two weeks? Handful. They were like legit play action, not like the end. They don't call call play action, Mason. They really don't. So for me, it's, it's that. I would love to see more 12, 22, and even 13 personnel. I just I understand what you're doing in terms of having DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool all out there at the same time. But imagine if you could have a, a play where you have, you know, Cole Komet, you have 
Uh, Mercedes Lewis, at least on the field, and, and you throw out Tanya for all I care if you do 13. It, like, why ask why ask Chase Claypool to be this blocker that he and last week was way better. He still had a couple of what are you doing, Chase moments, but his effort was better. So, so I'll give him that. But at the what same time, why not just put baby? Mercedes Lewis out there and block the damn end or linebacker? Like, that's what you brought him here to do. I, and then I, that way, Max, see, then you have six protectors. Give Justin more time. Have have more Max protect one or I mean, two routes. You know, screw it, man. Go well, 23. Go just back into the 80s. Why not? I don't care. Honestly, at this point, what, whatever I can do to get Justin in the flow, just get him in the flow. Especially with that point, to your point, Justin, I, I made this point with Bill at, on the post game. He is very much like a prize fighter who needs to be hit to understand he's in the fight. It's a really weird, like, he needs to get hit and then deliver a blow back. Like, yeah. all right, time time to play. Like, I, I don't understand how, like, he's just such a rhythm-based football player, and I know a lot of quarterbacks aren't that way, but he is. Like, let him feel involved. Let him just ro- break a 20-yard run. If the first read isn't open, but you see that they're in man and you can cut up and get 22 off rip, let him. Who cares? More injuries happen for quarterbacks in the pocket than they do on scrambles or runs. It's Very a true. fact. Very it's true. not just like, oh, if he stays in the pocket, he's not going to get hurt. Whereas Lamar Jackson gotten hurt every year sitting it's in the pocket. pocket. Yeah, it's not when he's running around. I, it, it is very frustrating because we all know how he plays. And to quote you, with Justin Fields, I'm very much going to be the one of the first to the party and one of the last of the funeral. I'm not going to say die on this kid because I believe in him. Yeah. And it's going to make me look very, very bad as a Twitter fanalist kind of thing. But I kind of don't care because I believe in him. And belief is just exactly that. It's kind of blind faith. If Geno Smith can be successful with the Seahawks, why the hell can't Justin Fields be successful with the Bears? And it really boils down to because of things around him. X factor for the Chiefs. Uh, I picked Matt Nagy. <laughs> you talked about this a little earlier. I did too. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, he said revenge game. Uh, the team loves Matt Nagy, and even more so, Patrick Mahomes loves Matt Nagy. So he even if Mahomes him. is over the whole like, hey, you skip me, and he doesn't do the count on his hands, you know, thing. If I can almost guarantee you, there's going to be some moments either this week or maybe you know Saturday before the game where he goes to Nagy and is like, yo, we got, we, I got you. We, I got you. And he, and he's going to do whatever he can to get Nagy this one. Yeah, I, to, I guess I'll just piggyback off that. I think it's the Nagy game, and I also think it's the Travis Kelsey get right game where he's just mm. – this is where Tremaine Edmonds is going to have to earn his money. He's yeah. the coverage big Mike linebacker. Well, you got 87 this week, bud. Go nuts. Wherever he Especially, goes, you go. Have fun. Yeah, you, you might as well just make him, make him a spy. Just follow around Travis. Make his life as hellish as possible because otherwise he's going to be – carving you up like a butcher honest question if you took two players whatever you take your go dime right and take your linebacker to, and you take your dime guy throw him on kelsey let's say tony's out because of his stupid toe and so is richie james i don't know if you care <laughs> is that a recipe for a win here just like literally it's just possible. just, just you two just hold kelsey and just let is that a recipe could you 
Sure. And tell tell him to commit pass interference every play because they literally will not call it every play. They just won't. Essentially, they won't. They're they're told not to basically. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, X factor for the Bears. Um, play to your QB strengths. Uh, this this is obvious. We've said this throughout the show. Uh, don't make him something he's not. So right now he is not the person who's going to go read one, read two, read three. Okay, I got that back door dig route. It's just not – he's not there right now for whatever reason, whether it's we're going to get there or he can't get there right now because of stuff. Stuff. Just but know that. Know that he's not getting to three. So create routes and create concepts and create – and talk to him about what you need him to do for one, two, check, or one, two, get out. Play to his strengths. Exactly. No, it's uh, my X factor for the bears is kind of to pick. It's the running game. If you can like, there's something so demoralizing defensively about a running game that you just can't get off the field. Like, especially in today's NFL, like you give up 400 passing yards, 350 passing yards, whatever. Like it's the NFL. It's how it's designed. But when you get gashed for 150, 200 rush yards and your big fellas just can't get off the field and they're just getting pushed around or, or whatever it might be. Like it's just demoralizing. Like we can't stop this. We know it's coming. Like there's such, and I get it doesn't play into the analytics talk. And I do believe in analytics, Yeah, but I, I also believe in the human side of football when you're just getting run over play after play after play after play. It just takes it out of you. Like, like, especially when you start getting them to like 32. And it's like, guys, just one stop. One stop. Three yards. Damn it. <laughs> like, because, yeah, right. I mean, you give your all in that third and two. Like, okay, if I, if I give that 110% and, you know, I use that extra <laughs> bit of energy and all of a sudden you got to do it all over again, that's like you said, it's demoralizing both physically and mentally. Yeah. So, it's get your running game right and like you said play to justin's strengths and i know i keep god i must sound like i'm from the 80s but i'm not it's just it's what they have to do to be successful offensively a little comment here from cornelia squalls justin just running isn't a recipe for a long career we're not asking for that we're not saying like only run we're saying Use use the tool though, <laughs> like use it as a part of the arsenal. Use it to set up the pass. Use even just move it, move the pocket more. I mean, how many pocket? How many times have we seen the pocket move in the last two games? I can count them on one hand, probably. And a lot of those were pretty successful, if I recall correctly. Like one of the best ones was to the right. The, he scrambled the, and threw a beautiful dime. And, and, a and dime. I think. I think that's what's getting lost here, though, when people hear us. It's like they hear, oh, well, you just got to run Justin. You just got to make him a runner. That's not what we're saying. Let's say Justin is a knife kit. You buy this brand-new butcher's block or a knife kit from a store. Justin's running game is the chef's knife, the knife you're going to use for damn near everything. Asking him to drop back five steps and just make reads one through four and just make that snap decision, that's his bread knife. The knife you're probably seldom, if ever, going to use because he's not really used it in his life. So why are we asking this chef in this situation, to keep the analogy going, his bread knife all the time when he's not used to using it, when he's got his chef knife right here and you're just saying, no, we don't need that right now. 
Like, does that make sense? Like, obviously the bread knife has its place and it will be more, it will become a different knife as it gets more honed. But for right now, use his chef knife, use his athleticism, use his big arm. Let him be Justin Fields to the best of his ability for what he is at this moment in time with what the offense is going to allow him to do. Because right now, with that offensive line, it ain't much. One of the biggest thing issues I had from last year to this year was one of the reasons the end of last year sucked the way it did was not the fact Justin was running the ball. It was the fact that he had some injuries. Darnell Mooney was hurt. The offensive line was crud, and the defense was crud. In theory, this summer, you you were adjusting for those things, right? Justin came back healthy. You you thought he improved the offensive line. It's still probably better than last year, but not much. You went and got different weapons, whether it was DJ Moore, whether it was Robert Tanyan, Chase, you know, and hopefully was going to take a step forward in the offense. And in theory, your defense was better. But instead of just taking what you had, which was a very functional offense, mm-hmm. right? He was still completing passes. Like, I don't like he wasn't missing wide open reads last year, at least not to the extent that we're currently seeing. And he was able to make progress on, and get first downs and move the chains on the ground as well. Why didn't you take that and slowly sprinkle and transition into the butter knife? You know, some of those dropbacks and things like that. Why did you say, like Danny just alluded to, why did you get rid of it entirely? That's my problem. You didn't do a slow transition. You just said, all right, we got DJ Moore. We, uh, we, we our offensive line is bleh. But like it's not vomit inducing, and so therefore now we're going to just go entirely the other direction. They, That's my if issue. they wanted to run this offense, you draft CJ Stroud or you draft Bryce Young. Yeah, point blank period. That's yeah. what you do. But mm-hmm. this isn't what Justin Fields does well. Correct. All right, moving on. We're, before we we could do this forever. Yeah. Uh, next, we have our over unders <laughs> where we're going to make some ooh, decisions on ooh. some games. No, I'm saying, no, brakes. Guys, why are the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes. Wild car, bitches. Yeah. It never ceases to not make me laugh. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. Um, First one, Justin Fields, turnovers, over, under, one and a half. Over. I think, I don't want to say that, but if he's, I think he's going to run more. So up the chances of fumble, whether or not it goes the other way or not, um, remains to be seen. And I think he's going to try to force something at the end of the game again if they're down just because he's a competitor. He's trying to make something happen. Um, Chris Jones quarterback hits two and a half. Over. He had two last week in his first game back. So over is a pretty, pretty good choice. Justin Fields rushing yards over under 31. Okay, so I'm going to say over because I, I don't know if we're still doing – are we still doing bold predictions or no? Yeah, we're still doing bold predictions. Okay, so I'll save that then. Yeah. Um, over because I think he's going to run more. And 31 and a half. Like he said 62 he all strand. year, which is the, the bummer. That's why I picked I took 62 divided by two. Um, okay. But, yeah, I, I would agree with the over. Travis Kelsey touchdowns one and a half. Under, he'll catch one. Roshan Johnson touches nine. <laughs> do, do, do we know if Getsy knows Roshan exists? I think he just put him in a hole somewhere and said, like, you know what, you're too good. You're too fun. Just, I don't need you. 
Um, I'll say over. I think he's going to probably by the end of this four week stretch be their primary running back because he's just he's better than the rest. Like it's almost on. He's the sixth best pass blocking back per per pro football focus. He's their hardest runner and he's a tempo setter. That's something that can't be lost in this. When you have guys, it's the same reason. Like for all the problems Jaquan Brisker has as a player, you know what else he is? He's a tempo setter. He hits everybody and he doesn't give a shit. It's awesome. It also sometimes results in friendly fire. <laughs> you know, shout out Eddie, Eddie Jackson getting mangled by him a couple times. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's what well, you're it absolutely is. right. I mean, think about uh, the interception Je- Justin had in the Packers game. Roshan Johnson misses the tackle early, but he's one of the f- – he, he almost tackles him before he gets into the end zone. Yep. Uh, you look, And then you go the other side. Uh, you look at Cleo Herbert. For all the boxing he did this summer, he still sucks at pass protection. There was in the in the game against the Buccaneers, a linebacker you know ripped inside, and he basically just runs right by him. Hey, I'm leaking out for a pass. Block the dude. Like literally, he's running by your face. Block. You know who wouldn't miss that block? Roshan Johnson, because he he knows what he's gonna stick his head in there. And he knows what he needs to do. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, last over under. Patrick Mahomes middle finger to the bear moments. And my definition of this is anything like like the like finger the counting, counting, just something that's more of a F you. It's at over under half. So half. I don't think he's going to do it this time. I think he made his point the first time. I think you might get a, like a tandem one where, where you see like Nagy counting or something so like a nice that. low five with Matt Nagy. <laughs> just a, <laughs> uh, moving on to our game predictions. Uh, first one, of course, Bears at Chiefs. And I grabbed these lines like two days ago, so they pro- they may have moved. I, and I say like, this every time. It was like 12 and a half or 13. Oh, I've had 12 and a half. Look at that. So who, who, what are you, who are you taking Bears at Chiefs? Chiefs favorite, 12 and a half. I think Chiefs are going to cover, man. How dare you? Bad castle. Look at you. <laughs> Sorry, well, well, how justify this atrocious pick of uh, the Chiefs covering? Why do I believe the Bears will? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I justify it. It's I a big number. It's a, a lot really of big that's number. my thing. It's a big number. I think the Bears backdoor cover. I think it's one of those things where they're down by like maybe fourteen, and then they get a Cairo get a Santos fifty-two yeah. yarder. To yeah. Speaking of, did Cairo Santos work with you on leg strength this off season? Like, it's good. Yeah, that's my God, third man. side gig. Is just kicker leg strength actually. <laughs> but um, you're right though. Like all of a sudden, like it's not that like, he's barely making him. He's been crushing kicks. Yeah. Um, Thursday night game tonight. Giants at 49ers. Another decently big number. 49ers uh, are favored by ten. I think they don't cover, but I think they're going to win pretty handily. Like it's not going to feel like it's that close because the Giants are missing their really their only playmaker on offense. And so, real quick, not to go, not give me two sentences at most because we, we don't have too much time. What is with the Giants in terms of the awful output they had week one, and then the first half awfulness in week two? Yes, they came back, but like it's is, also the what is going on there? I just right, don't think they're that good, and the, I do. And is it I a just, Dable thing? Did we overrate Dable? I think it's potentially possible, right? Like, maybe Dable is just that classic case of maybe Allen needs Dable and Dable needs an Allen. I know. I was 
I wasn't as big on Dable as a lot of people were. I wasn't either. Like I, I, I know the famous quote that came out with the athletic article of, "Oh, he, you can bring him any terminology, any play, and he'll try to if you like it, he'll try to get it installed." Like you know what? I don't like that because that's scary. Yeah, you should. It goes back to who are you? Like, yes, you want to include thoughts from other coaches, your players, but at the same time, like, know your offense. Yeah, like know what you do. Like, and, and there's this other thing, like especially with like the that I've seen with Eberflus being now the leader to be the first head coach fired. He's not going to be the Bears on fire coach. They didn't even fire Tressman in season of memory research. They just let him finish it out and they fired him at year's end. Like he is like, everyone's like pining for these innovative offensive coaches. They reinvent the wheel. Or you could just get the offensive coach who's best at installing his stuff and adapting to his personnel. Like, I don't care what his scheme is. What if he's just the best play caller? Crazy he just Like, what if you just get the best guy at his job versus, like, who's the guy who's reinventing the wheel? Like, like, and I hate to break it to people. There's no secrets in the NFL anymore. No one's doing something that someone hasn't seen before. It's why the way Bill Belichick operates is hilarious and the way the Bears operate is hilarious because they act like they're guarding federal and state secrets when there's no secrets in the NFL. Apparently there's some secrets in the Bears organization. Um, <laughs> Falcons at Lions. Falcons favored by four. Um, God, it's a little number. I'll say the Falcons cover that. I, I like the Falcons. Um, Did you say Falcons I think, are favored or Lions are favored? Lion, oh, okay. I'd actually, I said the wrong thing. I, I think the Lions don't cover that. I think the Falcons are going to win, actually. Oh, okay. Even though Desmond Ritter sucks. God, he's so bad. If, imagine that team with... An Justin Fields. Quarterback. Oh my God, with Justin. Oh my God. What Arthur Smith could do with Justin Fields is just a whole other thing. Different that, show. That's my nightmare. <laughs> Things <laughs> at Packers. Packers favored by two. Packers cover. I would think easily. Um, Chargers think at Vikings. Chargers favored by one. I think they're going to win handily. I, I know Brandon Staley's easy to hate, but I think that's a good team. Panthers at Seahawks. Seahawks were uh, favored by four and a half, and that line has now moved to six and a half since Bryce Young has been ruled out with an ankle injury. So the Red Rocket should be starting there. Uh, Cover. Is it weird, though, that I think the number should have gone the other way with Andy Dalton starting? Well, because considering how bad Bryce Young has looked, Bryce Young looked very rookie, and Dalton is just a solid vet. He's Andy Dalton is like the out of the box. This is an NFL quarterback. This is how he plays. Here's Andy yeah. Dalton, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect way to put it. Like, I can just imagine that he's going to just put the ball where it needs to be put. So I, I'm surprised speaking, it moved. That speaking way, of old and slow, though, have we seen uh, Adam Thielen? He oh, is. Oh I think he is cooked. Yeah, he's got he's got little to nothing left. I don't know what they're doing. With and I him. like Adam Thielen too. He was a really good football player. His, his story is great. Yeah. All right, continue. Uh, um, that is the last game prediction. We're moving on to a coccyx and bull story. Our bold predictions. Uh, what do you got? Uh, Justin Fields is going to have 300 combined total yards. Oh please! Can you imagine? what Bears media but and Twitter will be like if that happens. It, it's going to be awesome. And also, I'm holding receipts for all, people in 
a chat that we're a part of that we you and I are in in Bears Twitter land, people at my work. I am holding on to these receipts. So like if right now in chat, you better claim where you at. You anti, you pro Justin, because I'm watching. <laughs> that, that explains a lot. So are you in or are you out? Are you in? Like, stop flip-flopping. Pick something. Um, my, one of my predictions, I'll put this on the offensive side. It's kind of both. Bears are going to lead the Chiefs at the end of the first quarter. Ooh, going to be a whole 10 to 7. <laughs> I didn't say it was a lot. I just said they're going to be winning. All right, continue. Um, ooh, Ron, Ron's got a bear 35 17 Bears. I like it. I like it, Ron. Um, my other prediction, full prediction over here Bears get an interception. Tyreek Stevens, I'll say Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, I think he's, I don't know, for some reason, I think, think he's due. And once he gets one, I think he's gonna start. You know, who some. feels like they're gonna get the interception to me, TJ Edwards just feels like the he's just gonna be like floating in the middle of like and just falls in his lap. Like, just look what I got. <laughs> I can see that being like, let's say Kadarius Tony played for the sake of argument. Uh, Kadarius Tony like drag across the middle that tips off his fingers to TJ Edwards. Like just hmm, look at this. <laughs> yeah, the present. What was your other bold prediction? Um, I really only did the one. Oh well, then we're gonna skip you and go offensive player of the game. Uh, I have Roshan Johnson. Uh, I think for some reason Getzi is gonna have this eureka moment where he's like, oh. You're good, and you're an explosive play waiting to happen. You block. This is perfect. Um, and he's going to he's going to get a touchdown. I think he's going to get a decent amount of touches. Like, I had nine as the number. I think he's going to be around that 11, 12. I, I, I would guess around 15, personally. That would be my hope. I'm, I'm just trying to set my my sights. Uh, off, offensive player of the game, I just kind of alluded to it. It's going to be Justin, I think, if they're going to have stand a chance. Defensive player of the game. Obviously for you, TJ Edwards with an interception. Actually, no, it's going to be Tremaine Evans, I think. I think Tremaine, Tremaine, Tremaine was really bad week one, I think. And week two, he was a little, he was good. I thought last week Tremaine was was solid. I think this week you're he's going to get torched by Kelsey, but I think he's going to make enough plays where, like, at the end of the day, it's like you tip your cap to the Hall of Famer. And that's what Travis Kelsey is. He's the, he's the Hall can of Famer. We can, we, can we just – Go away. <laughs> I'm so close to just banning you, Ghost of Judah Tribe. I mean, no, stop it. Go away. Go I'm not going to read it all. Basically, they were saying put Badgenton. Stop it. Um, I put defensive. I put Tyreek Stevenson um, playing off of my interception. Um, I just think his aggressiveness is something that's going to be important in a game like this against Mahomes. Uh, I also don't even know. Like Again, the receivers are bleh. So... Um, you have to if you're gonna make a play somewhere, it's not gonna be against Kelsey, it's gonna be elsewhere. Um, um King of the North, where's the stupid thing? I got distracted. Uh, my, I had a close second for that one. I was also oh. thinking Yannick. Yannick was like my other guess because I think he could if he hit the weight room and can actually tackle someone. <laughs> He'll get two sacks. How about that? Yannick and Gakoy, two sacks. I'm also very over. Look, I get it. Like, I have someone obviously who's gone through different, like this is high school training camps or in college for wrestling. You know, you go through the, the preseason of your of my of wrestling, lifting, and then you know, getting some matches and all that jazz. I get that if I and if I don't have those, I would definitely not start the season super great. Uh, but at the same time, like that is not an excuse to not tackle Baker Mayfield like three the, separate the, times. The most uh, f- 
frustrating part about it is he's not even winning on his own volition. He's winning off stunts and stuff like that. Like he's not just, it's not the step and, and just bending around the edge. Like it used to be in his career. It's like, he has to be stunted free or it's a coverage right. sack. Like I haven't, I just haven't seen him do a single pass rush where I was like, Oh, that's why like you're a mercenary pass rusher. It makes no sense. <laughs> and he's still going to end up with his nine or 10. <laughs> Get, he's got one. Let's let's slow our roll here. Um, King of the North, <laughs> aka, AKA MVP, um, it's Justin. I, I didn't put Justin as offensive just because I knew I was oh, going to okay. put him here. Um, if the Bears have not a chance to win, I'm not saying that, but it feels like this would be a week though. In terms of sidebar, in terms of weird NFLness, wouldn't this happen? Though, like, if it, it wasn't a Bears team, if it was any other team besides the Bears, it'd, that, it'd be classic NFL moment. Yeah, right. That this team that's zero and two that has no right to even be here. They have all this crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes, and they upset who arguably is a favorite for the Super Bowl. Like, that's a very NFL thing. Mm-hmm. The script writes itself. But if so, if there's any chance for that to happen, Justin's got to be the dude. Justin mm-hmm. has to go. And someone asked a question about this, like. If you don't mean running, like, how do you, what do you mean by like, you know, you being him, what does him being him mean? It's just being in the incident that flow, right? It's, it's that old, it's that schoolyard bullshit. Like that, a little bit of like that longest, uh, longest yard mentality where it's not that drop Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, drop back one, two, three, check one, two, throw. It's, the it's pining, read one, read two, escape the pocket a little bit, use your really legs. The, get the pining ball for that, that court, that sort of quarterback is just an era gone by. No one does that anymore. All your top quarterback prospects, even guys like I like, like JJ JJ McCarthy, isn't sitting back and just dissecting defenses and killing you because he's an assassin. Like it, it it's like this pining for an era that no longer is here. Yeah. Oh, is, and did you officially say who is your king of the north? Uh, it's Justin. It has to be. This is what it is. It be what it be. Um, that's all we got for today. Very interesting show. I thought we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very interesting week. And it just, I just, the, this is one of those, this is one of those weeks. This is one of those moments that defines the rest of the season. Yes, it's only week three. But do you go out and like give the Chiefs a showing? And if you, at a minimum, is that what you, or do you just collapse and continue? And that that's just, it, this is going to be important for players on this team, for coaches on this team. It's just one of those weeks. It's I'm not picking them to win, but can you lose with dignity? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And with that positiveness, bear down, everybody. Go Bears.